You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast. You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast, where international fitness entrepreneur Ricky Long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training, nutrition, and mindset. Ricky is a fitness industry expert, having been helping people achieve their fitness goals since 2002. We talk everything fitness, business, and group exercise to help you on your fitness journey. Welcome to another episode of the Ricky Long Podcast. I'm excited to bring this episode to you. I've wanted to do an episode like this for a long time. And I don't really have a reason why I haven't, other than I haven't. In this episode, I'm going to explain to you the training template I use in all my programming. I'm going to explain to you the 4.2 method. And we're going to cover a little bit about compound training and the pyramids of priority when you do train. Uh, all of this is within my personal training programs and within Jump 4.2. Jump 4.2, you can book onto at any time during January. What we normally do is we have the, the priority list, the intake, the uh, early bird discount, and then the doors keeper. Then the doors are open at the uh, RRP price, recommended retail price. And then we just start, doors close, and then we just start. What we're doing for January 2020, for January 2021 rather, is you can start any time during the month of January. And as of the 8th of January, I have decided to extend the early bird discount price for the whole month of January. And full disclosure, five people have booked on to jump 4.2. I want to say five. I've refunded five people. Um, five people have booked on since the early bird discount finished and closed, and the actual price was available. That happened round about the 3rd of January. Um, so four or five people have bought since then, and I have refunded them each over £200 each within the last 24 hours of recording this. Um, because what we want to do is we want to make Jump 4.2 as accessible to as many people as possible. Um, there's even a free trial option as well. There's a link in the show notes. Go and click that if you know you just want to see what it's all about. There's a free, free week trial in there for you, for your friend, and for your friend's friend, but not your friend's friend's friend because that's too big a connection. But you get what I'm saying. But regardless of whether you are interested in Jump, I think this podcast is really going to transform your relationship with how you train in the gym. I think this podcast and content I'm going to give you in here has transformed how I've trained for many years and it's been the biggest uh, attribute of success of what I teach my clients. So when I work with a client, I don't just say, um, there you are, Jen, there's your program. I'll say, right, there's your program, and this is the structure behind it. I'm going to go through the training template, the 4.2 method, and compounds and pyramid of priority. I might jump all over the place in this podcast, so there's four subjects here, and there is a definite overlap with each of these subjects. I've got bullet points in front of me. Um, so, yeah, let's just jump into it. 
I think the first thing we're going to start with is the 4.2 method. So grab a pen um, if you can. If you're out and about, uh, you might want to pause at certain moments and you know, use the note section on your phone. The 4.2 method. This is one of the original ideas of my group programming, which we now know as Jump 4.2. And it was the idea that you train six times a week, four and two. Four sessions of strength and two sessions of cardio. So this was the original idea. And the way that would be structured is your first session on the four side would be strength, then you would do cardio, then you would do strength, then you would do cardio. And you got four sessions in there, you've done two strength, you've done two cardio, and then you have another two sessions which would be on the strength side where you can do what you like. Now hold that thought for a second when I say do what you like. That will cross over later when we talk about compounds and the pyramid of priority. When you're structuring these sessions, again you'll use the training template later on, the 4.2 method. The first session of strength would be lower body squats, deadlifts, that sort of thing. Possibly like Olympic lifting, that sort of thing. The first session of cardio would be hip-based cardio. So it could be 60 second intervals on a treadmill, on a bike, uh, you know, swim. Um, it could be, you know, some hip-based class, a grip class, a sprint class. The second session of strength would be upper body, and it would be a combination of push and pull exercises. Um, so not just chest, not just back, a mixture of both. The second cardio session, so your fourth session of the week, would be some sort of either steady state cardio or quote unquote cardio intervals. So perhaps a 45 minute interval workout or a 45 minute steady state workout. So for you know a lot of you'll be you know Les Mills instructors listening to this, I would count cardio intervals as body attack, body combat, RPM, that sort of thing. Um, or it could be a 45 minute run or a 15 minute run, 15 minute swim, 15 minute bike, like a little mini gym triathlon. And now you have your two extra sessions in the week. Now before I kind of explain about those sessions, the reason why I program and this, this is if you give someone right, you've got to do 4.2 sessions. And they're like, what do you mean 4.2? Well, you actually only have to, I want you to do four sessions. If you do the four sessions, you get two bonus sessions where you can do whatever you want. The four sessions look like strength, hit, strength upper, cardio. So you're going to look after um, a range of fitness needs for the average person. If you're an elite athlete, if you are uh, training for a specific reason, a sport, an event, the 4.2 method, you can use and manipulate. If you are average, like me, probably like the majority of you listening to this, and you're just kind of training to look half decent when the, you know you, you got your kid off, trying to live a little bit longer and live with a better, higher quality of life, the 4.2 method just works. Because those four original training sessions I've just described will look after the majority of your fitness needs. So let me come to the last two sessions. So 4.2, you have four mandatory sessions and two optional sessions. And it is four strength sessions and two cardio sessions. And you go strength, cardio, strength, cardio, strength, strength. Now when I say strength, strength, with those two last remaining sessions, do whatever you like. Do whatever makes you happy. 
I have called them strength, but if you want to incorporate some cardio in that, you can do that. If you want to do bicep curls, supersetted with calf raises because it makes you happy, go do it. You want to do a body pump class mixed with a Zumba class mixed with a Pio class, go and do it. There's a big, massive benefit from enjoying your training sessions, both physiological, uh, mental, and emotional. If you go into a training session and every training session you do you don't enjoy the chances of you sticking to any sort of training program are much reduced so i would always try to encourage people right if if you do the first four sessions you can have a little bit of play with the last two sessions depending on the client that i'm working with um if it's a group fitness instructor and you know they're they're busy and they're teaching a lot of classes i would say do the 4.2 method over two weeks. If I'm working with someone who doesn't do classes, doesn't do a lot of classes, teach a lot of classes, and they're not going to do anything extra in terms of, you know, they're just going to do what I tell them to do in terms of a program, I will say, right, do the 4.2 method over the course of a week. And by the way, that cardio steady state could be a 60 minute walk on a Sunday afternoon, just so you know. And the reason why I would say to you know, a group fitness person, do the 4.2 method over the course of two weeks. It just it gives you more time because you're going to be so active with teaching classes and doing classes. Uh, the last thing you will need, especially in the early stages of a training program and a relationship with a coach, is more stress in a nervous system. So let's imagine you're teaching 10 classes in a week, so 20 classes in the two weeks. I would say, right, on Monday, do the strengths lower body session. On Thursday, because you don't teach a lot of classes on a Thursday, do the cardio hit session. On Sunday, because you don't teach classes on a Sunday, do the strength upper body session. And then on Tuesday of the next week, do the cardio steady state session. And you still have three or four days left in that week where you can either just repeat those four sessions and kind of start again, or you can just do the two bonus sessions. And it's a really, really simple way of getting client adherence, uh, getting someone to follow a program. And if you're the person following a program, if you're listening and thinking this, oh, this is something I want to do, it gives you a lot of freedom, a lot of play, uh, as well as having a lot of structure and programming based on what I'm about to tell you up next. 4.2 method, uh, four strength sessions a week or in a period and two cardio sessions in a period you would always go strength cardio, strength cardio, strength strength. However, those last two strength sections can be as fun and as interesting and have as much cardio in them as you like. So let me move on now to compounds and the pyramid of priority. A lot of this I've mentioned on the podcast before, and a lot of this is taken from Ross Edgley's work in the World's Fittest Book, and then later the Art of Resilience. Imagine a pyramid with five levels. The bottom level reads body basics, then it is overload and progression, then it is skill, then it is recovery, then the top part is more. And if you look at the pyramid of priority, these are the movements that any person, athlete or otherwise, needs to prioritize in any training plan. And if you're not following a training plan, you just need to prioritize these in life. Body basics are simple things. I'm not limited to walking, throwing, swimming, climbing, crawling, jumping, 
pushing, pulling, etc., etc. And that list could go on. And we want to master body basics before we move up to the next level. So think of it almost like a league tier system. You can't play in the Premier League unless at some point you've qualified out of League 2, League 1, Championship, etc. etc. So once you've qualified and you've got the grips with body basics, by the way, you'll notice with body basics, a lot of what I just said is compound movements. It's multiple muscle groups working together. You can't run or climb just using one or two muscles. You need to use all the muscles and have your muscles working through what we call the kinetic chain, sometimes wrongfully called the posterior chain, in my opinion. And it's the relationship of how your muscles talk to each other. Moving on to overloading progression. So let's just take one of the exercises that we spoke about in body basics. It could be a squat. Body basic exercise. Everyone should know how to squat. Why is it a body basic? Because at at least twice a day, you are going to need to squat for two different reasons. Once a day, you're going to sit on the toilet, and at least once more a day, you're going to sit down and stand up off a chair. Therefore, you need to know how to squat. So you spend your time on body basics, and you now know how to squat, you can go to overload and progression. Now, this does depend on your goals, which I'm not going to spend too much on, but let's assume, because everybody would have the same goal, here that you want to be strong in a squat. In order to get strong in any movement, you need to apply the laws of overload and progression. And the laws basically state uh, you need to produce stress and stimuli to force adaptation of a muscle. And the adaptation we're talking about here is getting stronger. And we put overload and progression on that. So we're doing tiny increments of more intensity on a week by week, month by month basis in order that the muscles get micro tears, knit themselves back together a little bit stronger, therefore they can produce more force later. So week one, you might do a bodyweight squat. Week two, you might have a barbell, a broomstick on your back that weighs like a kilogram. Week two, I think I'm on, you might have a barbell which weighs 10 kilograms. Week three, it might be 30 kilograms. It might be 31 kilograms and 32. So we're always getting that little bit of overload and progression. And you can get overload and progression by a number of ways. The most obvious way is the way I've just told you is just keep increasing the weight. Eventually, you'll reach some sort of plateau where you won't get the same gains. And that's where you can be a little bit more creative with things. We can talk about time under tension, two seconds down, two seconds up compared to three seconds down, three seconds up. So if me and you are in the gym and you have a 50k bar and I have a 50k bar, you're doing squats on the left, I'm doing squats on the right, you're doing a three seconds down and a three seconds up tempo and I'm doing a two second down, two second tempo, we're both on the same weight by the way, we're both doing the same range. You're putting more stress and stimuli on your body because you're going to be under tension for a third more of the time I am. So if I'm doing a set of 10 reps, it's going to take me 40 seconds. If you're doing a set of 10 reps, it's going to take you 60 seconds. So you're going to be producing more overload and progression and more force going through the body. You could manipulate rest times. So week one, you might have a, 10, a 20K bar. You might have a 60 second rest. On week two, you might have, what did I say, a 20K bar? So both weeks, you're going to have a 20k bar. Week one, you're going to have a 60 second rest. Week two, you're going to have a 50 second rest. And so on and so forth. Week two, you could have, week three rather, you could have a 40 second rest. Same weight, 
same rhythm, same range, same tempo, etc, etc. So we want to, in any training program, start to be looking at overload and progression in order to force muscle adaptation. Once you have started to apply the laws of overload and progression, nothing will really happen fast. You know, if you're if you're new to the gym, the first eight weeks, that's pretty, you know, it's pretty magic. You just kind of drive past the gym and you'll put on a little bit of muscle. It's magic. After that, you'll hit that plateau I told you about. And when you're adding overload and progression, you'll find the gains as such happen at a slower rate. That's okay. And how you can encourage these gains is looking at skill, looking at how you're moving the bar, the muscle load, the whatever movement is it is you're doing. Let me take a move such as a deadlift. Ankles, knees, hips, spine, loads of muscle groups, loads of joints, loads of talking to each other. The deadlift is a basic move. You could probably apply overload and progression as long as you're doing it well from a body basic technique point of view for a number of weeks, months, and then you'll reach your body's natural kind of ceiling of what it can lift naturally. Then you can look at skill work. So you can address technique. You could address the smaller muscle groups. So if I am doing a deadlift next to you and my chest doesn't lift as fast as yours in a deadlift, it would be a fair assumption to say, your hip flexors and your glutes are firing at the same time. My hip flexors are tight and it's stopping my glutes from firing, which is keeping my chest down. So you could say, all right, Ricky, what you need to do is you need to do some uh, glute activation work. So like barbell thrusters, you know, walking lunges, and you need to stretch your hip flexors. That is essentially skill work. And then we can do some lighter deadlifts and focusing on firing through the glutes rather than letting your hip flexors become dominant, etc., etc. So you can address some skill work, which will in turn also be a little bit of overloading progression. And it will mean when you go back to doing strength training as such, you will have gains because your skill work will cross over in the overload and progression. Just to pause, remember the 4.2 method I told you about? You could have your strength section, you could have your hit session, you could have your strength section, you could have your second cardio session. Remember you've got those two sessions to play with the rest of the week. They could just be skill sessions where you're coming to the gym, you're not, you know you're not gonna hit a 10 out of 10 intensity scale. You wanna be lifting light weights, filming yourself, working on technique, perhaps working with a, a partner, a coach, another trainer. Assuming your body basics are nailed, your overload and progression is working, and you're doing a skill session, there is recovery to think about. I don't think people overtrain. I think people under recover. I think the only people who overtrain are elite athletes who their version of overtraining is they're not able to run 100 seconds in under 10 seconds. They can only do it in 10.1 seconds because they've got too much lactic acid in their system and they can't clear their muscles. I don't think anyone who listens to this podcast will consistently overtrain. You might have weeks where you do more than others, so you're a little bit tired and fatigued, which is telling you to rest and recover. So there's three things I look at when we're talking about rest and recovery. Sleep, 
mobility, and stretching. Let's start with sleep. Aim for seven and a half to nine hours sleep per night. Ricky, why didn't you say eight hours? Because eight hours is a stupid number to sleep for. You want to do it in 90 minute segments. Ideally, getting five 90 minute segments. So using my quick calculator here, 90 times five equals 450 divided by six equals seven and a half hours. So the, the sleep cycle, your REM cycle, your deep sleep, um, I don't want to go into that too much, um, circadian rhythm, it's, you work in 90 minute cycles and you can learn to hack sleep. Most people, women, will want about nine hours sleep, You, on average, let, let me start that again, on average, generally speaking, women need more sleep than men. It would be a nice general target for a female to aim for nine hours sleep a night and a male to aim for seven and a half hours sleep per night. That's not to say that man will not benefit from a nine hour sleep or a ten and a half hour sleep. It's not to say a female can't survive on seven and a half, six hours sleep. I think every single mum who's listening to this will be saying, you know, I'd, I'd love to get nine hours, but I'm lucky to get six hours. Fine, I, I know that. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is if you sleep in 90 minute blocks, you will feel better every time you wake up. If you wake up in the middle of a 90 minute block, particularly around the 40 to 70 minute mark, that's when you feel grumpy, that's when you feel groggy, that's when you haven't finished sleeping. Your brain's hormones are all over the place, the production of melatonin, estrogen, testosterone, um, oxytocin, etc, etc. Uh, Feel-good hormones, bring you up hormones, endorphin hormones, all the rest of the uh, adrenaline glands would be affected as well. Do you want to sleep in 90 minute blocks? And if you're going to have a nap during the day, either make it less than 20, 25 minutes or make it 90 minutes. Don't have that area in between because like I said, you're waking up in the middle of one of your sleep cycles and chances are you're not going to feel too hot by the end of it. Uh, FYI, little nap hack, have a cup of coffee, you know, a shot of um, an espresso or something, then go for a 20-minute nap. Normally it takes around about 20, 30 minutes for caffeine to get into the system. You have your nap, you wake up, you haven't gone into a full uh, sleep rhythm. You've just got your hormones ticking over and like resetting the car, resetting your MacBook. The caffeine will kick in at the same time and you'll wake up feeling really, really good. So to work on your sleep, work. look at three things. I know I haven't even spoken about the stretching mobility here. Look at three things. Look at your going to bed routine. Um, you know, remove digital for about half an hour, an hour before you go to bed. Digital. What do I mean by digital? Phones, TV, lights in your room. You want your light to be in darkness to allow you to produce uh, melatonin, which is your sleep hormone. Uh, when you brush your teeth, believe it or not, when you brush your teeth, um, try to have the, the lights slightly dimmer in the bathroom. Easier said than done. I appreciate that. It is better to have your room slightly cool rather than warm, contrary to what a lot of people think. People think, oh, it's warm, you'll fall asleep faster. Yes, you might, but you probably won't stay asleep. You'll probably wake up because your body needs works best when it's a cool room and it can start to self-regulate itself. And if you ever do struggle to sleep, this is a good one for anyone 
does struggle to sleep, don't tell yourself that, you know, I can't sleep, I'm not a good sleeper. What you want to start telling yourself is you're a good dreamer and you want to go and dream and focus on the dreams that you can have. Sounds weird, but try it. Uh, Mel Robbins does a, a great piece in that, which I'm just reluctant to quote right now uh, for two reasons. Uh, reason one is time. And reason two, probably more important than reason one, is I can't quite remember all the ins and outs of it. Let's, and then, talking about sleep, your morning routine is almost as important as your going to bed routine. So let's just assume you've listened to me, you're getting your 90 minute cycles, you're either on seven and a half hours or nine hours, or a number that you know works for you. Uh, your morning routine. If you hit snooze in the morning, you're just going to be hitting snooze all day uh, from a um, <laughs> what am I trying to say? If you hit snooze first thing in the day, that represents your attitude to everything else you do in that day. You'll just be snoozing through the day, snoozing through conversations, meetings, work, whatever it might be. So do not hit snooze. Use the seven M's of morning routine. The first 30 minutes is all about me. That's M number one. Remove your mobile phone. Do not consume social media or news in that first 30 minutes. Moisture. Get water into your system. You've been lying down for, you know, seven, eight, nine hours. Potentially haven't actually had any liquid since the previous night's dinner. So it could be over 12 hours since you have had some liquid in your body. So get that liquid in. I'm trying to remember the seven M's without looking them up. I've committed to this. Animal. Movements, whether it's a hip workout or it's just a, a little gentle stretch and mobility, which I'll come up to next. Uh, five, matrix. Write down your productivity matrix. I've done podcasts on the productivity matrix before. It's the difference between creating a to-do list, a should-do list, and a must-do list. You want to create a must-do list and use the productivity matrix to do that. And that can also include a little bit of gratitude. M, 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 M. Music. Listen to music. Might contradict a little bit of what I said about your mobile phone. Permitted to use your mobile phone just to sip on a song that gets you up for the day. It can be a different song for different days, for different moments. Um, if you're a group fitness instructor, you want that song to not be a group fitness, I'm going to work song. So don't play your favourite song from Body Pump 112 or Body Pump 86. Uh, permission play anything from Body, Body Combat 46. It's obviously the absolute dog's danglies. Finished? Have you finished? Yeah. <laughs> I was Lindsay just nipping into the room to tip the heater. Um, M's, 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 seven M's of morning routine. Morning routine. Seven M's. What have I not said? Uh, meditate. Kind of comes into the matrix as well and the gratitude. Right, let me move on. Stretch and mobilize. Lindsay back in. So Lindsay away again. <laughs> Alright, stretch and mobilize. You mobilize joints and you stretch muscles. Both different, both highly beneficial. Both can be done at the same time, but they're not to be confused. Observation from my whole life. What people pe generally people are bad at stretching and mobilizing in general. Generally people in general, generally speaking. 
but people will stretch more than they will mobilize. So imagine stretching, you're taking the muscle sheath and you're trying to stretch it, you're trying to make it longer. Mobilization is you're taking a joint and you're trying to increase the movement around that joint, which will in turn stretch part of the muscle. I do get that, but they're two different things to come from. You want to have a stretching and a mobilization weekly routine. It can be as hardcore as you're going to get up on that 30 minutes of your morning routine where I've said move, you're going to spend 30 minutes just stretching and mobilizing. Or it could be you want to spend 15 minutes per week, like on Friday night when you're watching Gogglebox. The first 15 minutes you're going to be sitting on the floor stretching and mobilizing. It doesn't really matter. As long as you're doing something. And what you want to stretch and mobilize is <coughs> all... All the joints in your body, specifically the joints that you have identified through body basics, overloading progression, and skill, that will benefit you long term. If you're a group fitness instructor, <clears throat> here's the muscles that you're tight on. Hip flexors, shoulders. Here's the joints which you have limited movement on. Ankles, hips, shoulders. So you want to stretch your shoulder muscles, delts, lats, pecs hip flexors, quads, um, psoas, piriformis, glutes, and you want to stretch soleus and your gastroc. You want to mobilize your ankles, you want to do full circles through your ankle both directions, increase range of movement in dorsiflexion, plantiflexion. In, with your hip, you want to, you know, your hip is a ball and socket joint, so you want to continuously be able to get your hip to go through full range of motion. You want to be able to drop in the Hindi squats, uh, keeping your chest up, keeping your heels down, which will again work into your ankle dorsiflexion, plant flexion too. And for your shoulders, you should be able to hold a full pint of wine above your head and squat and not spill any of it with a straight arm. We should have that range of motion again. Shoulder humerus into the the shoulder is a ball and socket, so we want to be able to do that big, you know, almost three hundred and sixty degree range of movement. So we want to be doing stuff that replicates that. And then finally, the very top of the pyramid is the law of more. So let's say you're nailing all of that. You're doing the four point two method. You're applying body basics. You're applying the overloading progression, you're looking at skill acquisition, you're recovering really well, your sleep is fantastic, you've got a brilliant stretching and mobility routine, just do more, just do more. Sometimes the simplest way to get more from your training is to do more. So whether that means you're doing an extra session per week or it just means you're doing the regular amount of sessions, you're just doing an extra set of something more qualifies into all of the below but you can't do more without doing the below first right let me now explain the training template which is what i use for my own training sessions and what i use for every single client's training sessions including those who go through jump this consists of six components of a workout and any workout. Warm up, power pathways, strength, accessory movements, metcons, and finishers. Now these six, depending on your actual goals, 
just need to fill out something. Depending on your actual goals, depends on which part of this you want to spend the most time on. Where group fitness instructors need to spend the most time is on part three, which is your strength. Most people should spend the most amount of focus there, whether it's the most amount of time is, is differently. Your warm-up, self-explanatory. This is where you want to warm up. Five to ten minutes in length, and you want to work the joints that you will work later. Focus on increasing range rather than speed. If you're going to do bench press in your workout in the strength section, it makes sense in the warm-up. You want to warm up the shoulders, the elbows, the wrists, the triceps. Um, I don't know why I said triceps, because you want to focus on joints. <laughs> Power pathways. Explosive movements using the joints that you will be working in strength. So if you're going to do bench press in the power pathways, plyometric push-ups would make sense. If you're squatting here in the power pathways, you should look at ankle, hips, and knees moving explosively, like a squat jump, like you know a, a sprint, mountain climbers, that sort of thing, uh, or cleans, something like that. I like in the power pathways to do 10 sets of three reps with about 10 seconds rest between each. Not a heavy weight, you're just trying to get speed of movement. Power pathways acts as your pulse razor to finish the warm up. Switches on your MNS, your motor neuron system, and you can go into strength. The part of your workout where you will lift the most amount of weight using compound lifts. Compound lift is some, you know, multi-joint, multi-muscle exercise, uh, accessory lift is an isolation, one joint, you know, one or two muscles. Squats and deadlifts are always better than curls and extensions when it comes to strength. In a strength section, typically you want to hit between 25 and 50 reps, such as doing five by fives, three by eights, on two to three exercises. So let's say your strength section was going to be lower body. You could do five sets of five on a squat and then maybe three sets of eight on a deadlift or vice versa, something like that. Through lunges in there. If it was upper body, you're doing, let's just say it was a push day. You could do five by five on a bench press, three by eight overhead press, you know, two by 12 on a, we're doing push exercises, aren't we? On a dumbbell fly, something along those lines. Accessory movements are typically two to three exercises which isolates the joints used in strength. Now is the time for bicep curls, leg extensions, calf raises, and all of that. So if you were doing squats in the strength section and the accessory, you could do a three by 15 leg extension, three by 15 leg curl, three by 15 uh, calf raises. You want to aim for simple sets here, 10 to 15, and focus on time under tension. If you want to be spending between five and say eight seconds per rep. So if you're doing a set of 10, it should take you a minute and a half. You could consider supersets and drop sets here. Uh, a superset, and when I'm talking superset, I'm talking about supersetting on the same muscle group. So we go from a leg extension to a squat. You're not going from a leg extension to a leg curl. Keep on the same muscle group because you're trying to target one muscle group here. Supersets going agonist to agonist, which is the same muscle group, or going agonist to antagonist. I would put agonist to antagonist in the Metcon section, which is next. Metcons, this is where you can get very creative 
at creating intensity for yourself. Metcon is just a fancy way of saying circuit training. In the 90s, this was called circuit training. Now it's cool, it's sexy to call it metabolic conditioning, Metcon. My go-to Metcons for most people are anything around 10 to 15 minutes. I like a 21-15-9 between two exercises. So say 21 push-ups, 21 squats, 15 push-ups, 15 squats, 9 and 9. You could do it with three exercises or four exercises. Or 12-minute AMRAPs. So you would have you know four or five exercises, maybe squat jump, a push-up, a 200-meter run, and a barbell clean and press. 25 reps of each. Do as many times as you can in the 12 minutes. Or an EMON every minute on the minute. Say 10 kettlebell swings every minute on the minute for 10 minutes. You can be as creative as you want with a Metcon. A 5k run is a Metcon. Yeah. Then we come in here. Final section is finishers. A two to three minute blast of work where you go all out or rather you're all in. That two minutes is the hardest two minutes of the workout. You want to focus on doing some sort of movement which complements what you have done before in this workout in a quote unquote cardio power speed format. Like squat jumps, like mountain climbers, like you know push presses, you know prowler presses, farmer's walk, something really, really basic in terms of skill, so you can just focus on intensity. I'm done. I was about to keep going, and then I realised I'll kind of just be rambling for now. <laughs> there we go. There's the podcast done. We covered your training template, which was last, the 4.2 method, which was first, and the compounds and pyramid of priority, which was in the middle. Now, they all cross over in each other, depending on your goals, your existing training and exercise plan will possibly depend on which part of that you spend the most time on. If you teach a lot of classes, I would say the Metcon section I've just spoken of, use your class as your Metcon session and your finisher section, so you could turn up to the gym. Do, power, do warm up, power pathways, do a strength section, and then go and do your class. Whether you're an instructor or a participant, it's a great way to hack your training. If you want to find out more about anything in this podcast, just send me a message. You know I love it when you post stuff on social media about listening to the Ricky Long podcast. Uh, love it when you do that. And if you are interested in finding out more about Jump, the link is in the show notes. Well, I said again, yeah, the discount is going to last for the whole of January. Ordinarily, we take on, you know, a limited amount of people. Just because of the way things are, I want to make this really, really accessible. There is no pressure from me to you. If you want to work with me and go through Jump 4.2, just give us a shout. We've had over 500 people go through it. Multiple success stories from a range of people, ranging from professionals to uh, non-fitness professionals to athletes um, yeah and it's a training nutrition mindset program you can do it anytime during january there's a 200 pound discount there for you different options to pay my name's ricky long this podcast was actually really fun to do um yeah so we went through training template the 4.2 method compounds and pyramid of priority 
I'm saying all of that, and I've just realised I have uh, podcast questions to do. So this podcast is probably going to last another 10, 15 minutes, so strap yourselves in. As always, I go to Instagram stories, and I just say, I'm doing a podcast, any questions? So let's go through it. Uh, Question number one from Gareth. What podcast do you listen to for mindset? I probably don't listen to any podcasts specific for mindset. What I do is I listen to podcasts by like successful people, people I admire, whether that's in sport or business, and I would just pick up mindset things from them. Um, I, I would look at, I'm trying to think of some examples. I might go into my phone here on Spotify. Um, Peter Crouch podcast is good because he's had some ex-professionals in there. The High Performance podcast, really, really good. There was a good episode with Clyde Woodward, uh, Jonathan Wilkinson, uh, Dame Kelly Holmes as well, that sort of thing. And you, you, you'll just pick up things from them. Um, if I'm looking something mindset specific, I would probably go more towards an audiobook. Um, and the ones that are jumping out, Mindset by Carl Dweck, obviously. Um, Start with Why by Sinek. Simon Sinek. I was going to start calling Michael Sinek. They would be the ones that would come out. But podcasts, I don't think there's anything specific podcast-wise. I'm sure there are out there. But personally, I just don't do it that way. Uh, question number two from Karen. <laughs> Karen. Are kettlebells or dumbbells better for home-based workouts? Smart bar is a no-no because of the cost. Um, are kettlebells or dumbbells better for home-based workouts? Neither's better. Both have individual benefits, which the other one doesn't have. Um, I would argue a dumbbell is probably slightly more versatile. A kettlebell, what a kettlebell can do that a dumbbell can't do is because you can get a swing effect with a kettlebell, pick up momentum and mass and force so it can feel a little bit heavier uh, at certain movements. So if you imagine doing a kettlebell swing, the kettlebell feels a lot heavier at the bottom and you can't necessarily do the same movement with most normal shaped dumbbells. Um, So if it's a choice between kettlebells and dumbbells, I would say go for dumbbells. However, I'm going to contradict everything I've just said, and as I don't buy on price, buy on value. So the smart bar, whilst it might be the most expensive option, you can do everything you'll ever want with a smart bar, um, certainly for home-based workouts anyway. Uh, the plates can act as a dumbbell and a kettlebell and mimic them. So I would say try to find a way to afford the smart bar um and that's not me being biased because i work for les mills um i i honestly don't care if you buy the smart bar or not like it doesn't benefit me financially i don't get an affiliation cost um i do just think it's a it's a great product um question number three richard will you get this was from richard and they have just said, will you get the vaccine? Uh, my answer to that is just, yes, um, I'll get the vaccine. If I can be part of the process which starts to get the world back to normal, let's just go and do it. Um, it's just shit situation after shit situation right now. Um, so, yeah, let's just get everyone vaccinated. And hopefully by like 2022, we'll be able to go into each other's house. That would that, be a good goal to have. Uh, Amy. 
tips for body pump online assessment this week. Um, tips for an assessment is when you're doing Zoom assessments is don't look at your assessor because there's going to be a slight sound visual delay. So don't look at your assessor. Um, almost just pretend they're not there and you're just going through your generic script. Um, permission to be offended by this, permission to get myself in trouble when you're going through any sort of coaching layers. So layer one should be boring and forgetful. Nobody's going to remember you for great layer one. All layer one is is compulsory cues, keeping people safe and telling people what the choreography is. That's not rememberable. That's boring and is boring for a reason. It's just safe. It's just something for the person to hear and rap to. Nobody remembers you for that. And all you need to do in layer two is take what you've done in layer one, make the person do something better and tell them why. So if you're teaching squats in the, the second minute of a track, just tell them how to squat better and what the benefit and why is for squatting better. If you push through your heels, you will burn more calories. If you push through your heels, you will build more muscle. If you get full range, you will get fitter, you will burn fat, etc, etc. Um, so just make sure in layer one, you hit your compulsory cues and in layer two, you just follow up by saying why. So second minute in a song, if you say a sentence, a tiny little voice should go off in your head like this. Raise your abs. Why? Because it will protect your back. Push your knees in line with your toes. Why? Because it will keep your knees safe. Squeeze your glutes as you rise. Why? Because it'll activate your glutes and you burn muscle and you build muscle and you look absolutely sexy hot on the beach. Anyway, uh, <laughs> laughing at myself. Uh, Brode, the best cherry picked Les Mills on demand session you've ever done. Uh, I can't really answer this one, but I'll just give some context regardless because it's my podcast. What Lindsay and I and even Emily would do is when you're doing workouts in Les Mills on demand, you kind of cherry pick workouts depending what mood you're in that day. For example, on a Monday, you could decide to do leg day and just do body pump, lower body tracks. On a Tuesday, you might want to do arms. On a Wednesday, you might want to do like hit based tracks and you could just cherry pick them. So the best cherry pick Les Mills workouts on demand session you've ever done. I don't know what the best is. I'll just tell you what I did yesterday. I did grit strength, either 16 or 17. It's a one run uh, basketball court. Um, really, really good release. And I subbed out burpees for push and pull work. So it's the one with a two minute challenge at the end, two minute burpee challenge, which I don't need to do a burpee challenge right now. I wanted to do an upper body session, so I just subbed it out. Once grit had finished, I went and did body pump 93. I did triceps, biceps, and shoulders. So that's what I did yesterday. Um, right, let me, I did do another question box. Um, so let me go and find that on my phone which is in my hand um, oh that's a nice one um, from another amy how to plan a fun weekend during lockdown it's a nice question it's maybe a difficult one i think the key to that is first of all you said plan and then you need to establish right who it's 
preferably because of the stage of lockdown we're in, it's going to be with people in the same house or whatever the lockdown rules are at the time of this, you're adhering to all the rules, blah, blah, blah. So work out what is fun for those people and what you can do. You know, fun for me is going to the gym and then going for a coffee and a biscuit afterwards. I can't do any of that because the gyms and all that are shut. Biscuit rich tea. So how to plan a fun, I think the key to that is you've got to plan, I think you need to go a little bit Monica Geller and like at 8 o'clock we're doing this, at half 9 we're doing this, at quarter past 10 we're doing this and stick to your schedule. Because we are locked down and there's a lot of things not going on, it might just be easy to kind of waste a little bit of the day and you know sit and thumb roll and social and wait for something to happen. So we'd say try and make something happen. Um, the classic one Lindsay and I and Emily are doing this week. Uh, has been fantastic we drive to a coffee shop we do the takeaway coffee and then we park the car and we go for a walk and that's a nice thing for us to do you could replicate that take bits from that as what you want um that that's what i would do you know maybe do your favorite walk you know past whatever nice scenery you could walk past a friend's house wave in at them etc etc <laughs> chris is it safe to swim in the sea right now? <laughs> All right, gym shut. So I decided in the 20th or 21st of December to start sea swimming again. I haven't been in the water since I did the half Ironman back end of September. Um, and I waited until the 20, 21st of December to get back into the sea. So the question is, is it safe to sea swim right now? Um, it depends. Depends on your swimming ability. I am a expert, confident swimmer. And... There are many conditions where I still wouldn't go into the water. Um, really obvious conditions like how big are the waves to the, the light. Is it likely to get dark by the time I'm getting out of the water? What ways the current's going? Um, what temperature is the water? What temperature is the air temperature? There's a whole lot of things to take into consideration. I'll just, I'll just tell you what I do. But I will say, before you even think about getting into the open water you need to go in with an expert and you need to talk to that expert um i'm an expert myself i still would i do it i've only been in the open water a handful of times on my own i'm always with someone um whether they're an expert swimmer themselves or whether i'm the expert swimmer and with someone else so just i'm going to put that out there it's a safety first secondly always go in with a toe float these are the the orange boys you just tie it around your waist and it floats behind you um if you get into difficulties you can just hold on to it if you need a rest you can get you can just hold on to it so do that um and again with the open water because of the the sea temperature you need the hypothermia can set in after 20 minutes um in water temperatures of 10 degrees or below within 20 minutes if you're experienced with cold water temperatures um that can be longer than 20 minutes or shorter than 20 minutes, just depending. So right now, uh, I'm only going in for between 20 and 30 minutes. I can probably go for a bit longer, but I've no real need to push that. So that's how we keep it safe. So the, in answer to the question, is it safe to swim in the sea right now? It's safe if you make it safe. So there are just the things I do. I'm trying to think what else we do. Um, Normally it's me and Ali go in, so and we always have a swim plan beforehand. So we have a landmark because we swim along the shore. There's a there's a hotel, and we say 
we stop at the hotel, we have a chat, then we stop at the end of the Esplanade and we have a chat and it's the chat is very, very brief. It's, are you okay? Yes or no? Do you want to go on or do you want to go back? Um, you have that swim plan. You do it every single session um, and you also do it before you get into the water as well. You might have your laughs and your jokes before you get into the water, but right before you get in, you have to have that serious conversation. You know, Ricky, what are you doing today? Ali, what are you doing today? Um, and you have to you should be agreeing on what the lesser swimmer wants to do so the experienced swimmer should not want to bring the lesser swimmer on if you're both really experienced swimmers it's obviously a different conversation um like i said you if you are experienced swimmer and you want to do a swim on your own at least let someone know you're going to do that. At least do it where people can see you. We swim in two locations, the, the Clyde Swim, which is on the River Clyde. Plenty of people walking past, and we're quite close to the shore. And there's another place we swim up the Greenock Cut, which is a lock, which you might have one or two cars passing, but there's no foot traffic, especially this time of year. Um, so it's a long way of me saying is make sure you have, if you're not in the water with someone, make sure people can see you and they, you know, they know you should be back. And one thing I would have done with Lindsay, one went down on my own and said, right, I'm going into the water at six o'clock. I will message you at seven o'clock. So she knows if she doesn't get a message at seven o'clock that, you know, red flags would be going up at that point. I wouldn't say I'm getting out of the water at seven. I'm saying, getting out at half six. I'll message you by seven. That's what you get. You get the idea. Get the idea. And you can apply a lot of that to loads of sports, by the way. Um, Louise, I've put in, oh, wish I'd read this question beforehand. Three best exercise to build upper body strength. Three best exercise. I'm just going to say, deadlift, a pull-up or lap pull-down, and an overhead press. Standing overhead press with a barbell above your head. Three best exercise to build upper body strength. I could have gone for a push-up, I realise, with the overhead press, but I've said it. Overhead press pull up, stroke lap, pull down, and a deadlift. I've said it. I'm out there. That is my opinion. And Matthew has just said, have a great day. And Matthew Cousins, I will. I will have a great day. I hope you have a great day, Matthew, Louise, Jen, Amy, who else asked questions? Chris, uh, Gareth. Um, so yeah, everyone have a great day. I've had a great podcast. This is a great podcast. This is the Ricky Long Podcast on the Ricky Long Show. This is the Ricky Long Show on the Ricky Long Podcast. Um, I won't piss about here. Some good, good guests coming up on the podcast. Uh, if you're a fitness professional, you will get so much value out of them. We have one of the biggest names in group fitness land coming onto the podcast at the end of January. Very excited for that. Look out for that. Look out for me. Look out for Jump 4.2. Look out for low-hanging fruit. And when you eat the fruit, savour the fruit. That's a metaphor, and I don't know what it's for. You are listening to the Ricky Long Podcast, where international fitness entrepreneur Ricky Long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training, nutrition, and mindset. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes.